1: Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Electrician Live. My name is Paul Abernathy, your host as always, and welcome to the podcast. Well, today's episode, we're going to talk about probably one of the most widely used cable assemblies, um, and very versatile, by the way, um, in the industry, and it is utilized both exteriorly as well as interiorly, say that one time and get it right both ways, and it is used not only on services, but also for feeders and also for brand circuits. So, uh, if you haven't guessed by now, we're talking about service entrance cable. Uh, And that would be SE cable and USE, which is single conductor cable. Um, So, we're going to talk about that in today's episode. And again, it is Article 338. And it's a fairly short article, so hopefully we can get through it pretty quickly uh, and give you all the ins and outs that that I can on that uh, specific article and its application. Now, of course, this, like all other articles, is broken down into parts. Uh, And this is generally what you have in chapter three. It's just the wiring methods, is all of them are broken down into about three parts. So you have a general part, you have an installation part, and then you have what's called a construction specification part. Now, the part three, which is construction specification, that's pretty much manufacturer-driven. It's really good information to for you to verify a product, to make sure it's not counterfeit, make sure everything's okay. But again, this is pretty much dictated by the manufacturer. But when you're dealing with part one, which is general, and that's some general things like definitions and listing requirements, and of course it gives us the scope because we obviously need to know what the scope is if we're going to work with the product. Uh, But then the installation part, which is part two, is the meat and potatoes, if you will, of uh, the article. Uh, And again, it's not an installation manual. This is not an installation document. This is a minimum safety standard that says that all the way back in the beginning of the National Electrical Code. However, following the rules that are given here are going to produce a minimally safe structure, okay? Can you go above the minimums? Absolutely. We just want to be careful that we don't go so far above it that we end up turning that curve and we create a hazard because that can happen. And usually that comes from not knowing when to stop, okay, when you go above something. But a simple example would be of going above code. I'll just give you an example. A coming into a cabinet with a fitting, let's say a, you know, just an SE cable that's going into a cabinet and you come into the cabinet and the wire and all comes from the cable, extends into the box. And then what happens is that typically at that point, people will say, well, I need to have a plastic bushing on it. Well, that's required for conductors for uh, AWG and larger in raceways. But this is a cable assembly. Uh, and because of how the fitting is made and how it holds it in place, it kind of keeps it secure because of the, the design of the fitting or the connector, if you will. That those conductors aren't going to move around and get abraded so i don't necessarily need to have an insulating bushing on the inside of it okay now if you want to put one on it that's an example of going above code if you want to do it go for it it's not going to hurt anything but it's certainly not a requirement so i see a lot of people that that tell me that and they'll say they'll look at a graphic or something and they'll go when i look at that graphic paul i see that sc cable coming into that panel i'm, I'm waiting for the punch line And they go, well, it's required to have a a bushing on it because of an insulated fitting because it has four gauge and larger conductors. And I remind them that they need to look at 300.4G, and I'm in the 2017 code, by the way, and that talks about where raceways contain four AWG or larger. This isn't a raceway. This is a cable assembly. So if you want to put a plastic bushing on there, go for it. But that would be a great example of going above and beyond. It's not a requirement of the code. Okay. So when it comes to cable assemblies, anyway, so let's look at article 338 and let's start at part one, the general, we want to know what the scope is. So 338.1 tells me what this article deals with. And it says, this article covers the use, installation, and construction specifications of service entrance cable. Okay. Okay. Now, again, like this, the uh, specifications are pretty much what the manufacturer is going to do anyway, so it saves you a lot of the, the, the headache is you can almost skip part three. You just need to be aware of it. Um, but again, inspectors will need it because they want to make sure you're not using a product that's not uh, listed. Okay? So, because this product is required to be listed in accordance with 338.6, but we're not there yet. Just patience. Patience. All right, so that was the scope. So then you have what's called a .2. Now, we're all familiar with Article 100, which contains definitions that are used in, in more than one article. Uh, but there's sometimes some definitions that are very specific to a, to an article. In this case, since we're talking about SE cable, it's it makes sense to define what it is inside of the article. And that's what the DOT 2 is all about. So, what is service entrance cable? Interesting here is it's a single conductor or... Multiconductor assemblies provided with or without an overall covering, primarily used for services and of the following types. Now, interesting enough, it says it's primarily used for services, but that doesn't mean that it's only limited for use as services. I know it's called service entrance cable. I know that we call it USE Underground Service Entrance, Uh, but remember... When it says it is primarily used as service, don't take that as only being utilized as service, okay? There's a lot of uses for SE cable to, for branch circuit applications to HVAC equipment, uh, be used, for example, to ranges, uh, even dryers, depending. Uh, a lot of people will go with the aluminum option and they will feed things like that. So again, there are some interior limitations that we have to be aware of when it comes to using it for something like a branch circuit or feeder, but we'll cover that in a minute. Now, SE cable, it gives you the definition of the two, a type SE and type USE. Uh, Notice that the first one says type SE, but before we even get started in that, it's important that we understand that there are two different types of SE cable. There's a style U and a style R, okay? Uh, And so, the importance of the style U is it is an unguarded type of product. It's just a non-metallic sheathing uh, that is extruded over top, typically a helical wrapped, um, cons- uh, a helical wrapped um, grounded neutral conductor, and then it goes around two individual insulated conductors. Now that is a style U, uh, and then you have which is a style R, uh, which is uh, not for residential. It's not for rural. It is R as in round, okay? It's, it has a round appearance. And that typically is going to have multiple conductors and it's going to have a equipment grounding conductor in there uh, for that application. It's typically bare, uh, but then all of the other conductors in there, your, your grounded conductor or your neutral is going to be insulated. And of course, your ungrounded hot conductors uh, are going to be in there as well, okay? So that's typically four conductors or more. Uh, and then of course, the SE cable is typically... Uh, The U style is three conductors, two physical conductors and then one helical, bare, uh, grounded neutral conductor that you're going to make up at the point of termination. You're going to bring all those strands together, twist it up into a conductor, if you will, and then you're going to cut it off and square it and you're terminated, okay? I just want to make that clear real quick. Okay, so type SE is service sensor cable having a flame-retardant, moisture-resistant covering. Okay. So that's extruded over it. It's got a covering. And type U-S-E is a service entrance cable identified for underground use, having a moisture resistant covering, but not required to have a flame retardant covering. Okay. So typically when you see something called U-S-E, it is not going to have a flame retardant covering or componentry. In other words, it's not going to have flame retardant properties built into the insulation. Uh, of course, in many cases, it is a multi-use product. In other words, it's not just USE. It might be USE, but it also might be equivalent to an RHH or an RHW, which is another insulation type. Uh, but if it has those equivalencies, then in chances are it's going to have flame retardant added to it. Uh, The significance of this is USE by itself, without any flame retardant, cannot enter into a building, okay? It must stay out of the building, all right? Uh, Still can be used as USE, but it can't come into the building itself. Now, if it has flame retardant properties to that, it's added to that, uh, then it's probably going to pick up other ratings as well, like I said, RHH, RHW, if you will, okay? All right, so the other key thing to remember here is that USE is the only one here that's stated for underground use. SE was never stated, okay, for underground use. And if you go look at UL854, you'll notice that SE cables, that's the ones with the gray extrusion over it as a cable assembly with a covering or sheathing, that is above ground. Now it can be used in a wet and a dry, but remember, that is not designed for below ground. Okay, and as much as people think it is, it is not identified for that. It's not listed for that. Yes, it can be outside. Yes, it can be in a wet location in a damp location, but that doesn't mean that it can directly be placed underground. Okay, now USE, which is generally individual, looks like individual conductors. Okay, but be honest with you, because it's under Article three thirty eight. If you ever notice that USE, which we all think of as a conductor, is not listed all the way over in 310, which normal conductors are, like uh, THHN, THW, that's because 338 is a cable assembly. So even USE is treated as a cable, okay? Now, I can plex them together with other USEs, and that's, and that's how I create things like URD cables and all that kind of stuff. But a USE is really a cable, even though it replicates a single insulated conductor as well. And it can be used synonymously. I'm just important to know that 310 does not talk about USE. Okay. Um, the other important thing is up when you're dealing with cable trays and it has the originally up until we changed it in the 2020, it says that in cable trays in an industrial environment that I can have single conductor cables installed in those industrial environments. For years, we put THHN, THW in it. That's a single insulated conductor. Uh, and I think we allowed it to be done. I don't think we hiccuped any about it. And of course, 2020 code now adds the language to allow single insulated conductors in a cable tray. Up to the 2020 code, it's kind of tongue in cheek. We did it, but were we allowed to do it? Because THHN, for example, is not really uh, considered um, a single conductor cable. That's a single insulated conductor, Okay. Uh, anyway, I kind of getting you the getting off topic here. So um, but again, so that you might know some of the nomenclatures and the words, that's what a single conductor cable is. It's a USC, okay? All right, now let's move on to 338.6, which is the listing requirements. Obviously, um, SE cable or USE cable uh, and any fittings that go along with it uh, have to be listed. So the fittings are going to be designed and listed for use with these products. Uh, whether it's an SEU, it has associated fittings with an insert that allows it to be used say in a wet location outside above ground and moisture not get into it. So that fitting would be listed for use with that cable product. Um, So again, any fittings uh, like that also have to be listed as well to be used with this product. Now that's pretty much it for part one, pretty simple. Uh, now we get into part two, which is the installation, and this is where we fall under what's called uses permitted and uses not permitted, and that's going to take up the most of the applications in part two. Except we also have what's called a, a maintained bending radius rule. But at the end, at the end of the day, um, dot ten is uses permitted, and dot twelve is uses not permitted. And that's pretty much consistent through all of the wiring methods. Kind of interesting, though. For example, for IMT, for I just use as example, intermediate con. Uh, excuse me, IMC, intermediate conduit doesn't have a dot twelve. It has, it has a dot ten, so it doesn't have a use is not permitted because again, it's pretty much permitted anywhere. Uh, and it, of course, it gives you some caveats for those uses permitted, maybe in a wet location or a corrosive environment. But in general. It's pretty open. It's it's uses permitted. Have a field day. Go for it. Okay. Well, when you're dealing with service entrance cable, you're still going to have a uses permitted and a uses not permitted. So just remember, dot ten uses permitted, dot twelve uses not permitted application. Okay. All right. So let's kind of look at the uses permitted. Uh, so you'll have an A, a B, and A. It says service entrance conductors. It says service entrance cable shall be permitted to be used as service entrance conductors and shall be installed in accordance with 230.6, 230.7, and part two, three, and four of article 230, okay? So again, 230 dealing with services, so you're following the application. Uh, And so again, you're using this product in accordance with the references in 230, which again, Article 230 is geared towards services, okay? But remember what I said about being used for branch circuits and feeders? Okay, well, then that's where the B kicks in here under use of permitted. So the service is pretty easy. You're going to use it where it says you can use it in services, all right? You meet all those rules uh, for services. But when it comes to feeders and branch circuit, We have to use it a little bit differently, okay? And the other thing to remember is for services, you're allowed to have that bare neutral grounded conductor coming down, like in that SEU. Well, when you get to feeders, okay, you got to be very careful in how you deal with this application. So let's look at it. B is branch circuits or feeders. Number one, it says grounded conductor insulated. It says the SE service entrance cable, shall be permitted in wiring systems where all of the circuit conductors of the cable are of the thermal set or thermoplastic type okay so that's talking about the grounded conductor okay and its application and how it's used of course it says grounded conductor insulated so it's an insulated grounded conductor in use with other types of conductors in the circuit conductors and of course, they could be thermal set or thermoplastic type. Now, thermal set being XHHW, uh, things like that, RHH, RHW 2, uh, USC 2, all those are thermal set. Thermoplastic would be like your THHN, THWN 2, TW, all those type of things. Those are thermoplastic type of products. Uh, the big difference being between thermoplastic and thermal set is thermoplastic will melt uh, and it is pliable. Uh, it is, uh, you know, it, you got to be very careful where you install it so you don't violate its temperature listing. Uh, same ratings go to Thermal Set. It's still, the conductor is probably going to be 90 degree rated or 75 degree rated depending on the manufacturer, but Thermal Set doesn't melt. Uh, it has a much higher threshold to temperatures, um, even though it's still going to be rated exactly the same as far as 90 degrees or 75 degrees or whatnot. So again, if I have an issue where I have a worry about elevated ambient temperatures, and even though I'm doing adjustment and corrections to guard against it, I'm telling you, Thermoset is going to be a bigger margin of error type of product. You with me? Um, but with that said, the majority of the SE cables that are sold in the industry are going to have a thermoplastic uh, insulated uh, ungrounded conductors, okay? All right, so... We're covered. So next, let's look at the use of an uninsulated conductor Okay, for these branch circuits and feeders. It says, now, when can we have an uninsulated conductor in this cable assembly? It says the SC service entrance cables shall be permitted for use where the insulated conductors are used for circuit wiring, and the uninsulated conductor is used only... For equipment grounding purposes so if you jump back into that visualization of an scr cable which is two hots a neutral and an equipment ground the grounded conductor is going to be insulated now but that bare conductor in there that is going to be your equipment ground okay now think about it this way what if i running an sc cable a style u And that's the one with the helical grounded conductor, but now I'm going to use that as an equipment ground because I'm maybe going to go to a 240 volt air conditioning unit indoors, air handler, let's say. And it's purely 240 volt load, just a motor involved, linear load. And so I'm going to run it to it and I'm going to have the two hot conductors, okay, 240 volt between phases. And then all I need is an equipment grounded conductor. That's when I can use that bare conductor as an equipment ground. Now, interesting thing about cables, when sizing an equipment granite conductor, we all know that we size it based on the overcurrent protective device and based on 250.122. But interesting thing about cable assemblies is the size of the equipment granite conductor should correspond, but it's all sized based on what the actual cable standard says. In this case, UL854. So it tells me the size of my equipment grounding conductor, or it tells me the size of a neutral conductor based on a construction requirement. So you do have to make sure you correspond and and not mess that up. But again, most of the time, it's not going to be an issue if I'm utilizing it for a branch circuit to, let's say, an air handler unit. But really what we're talking about here is, can I have that bare conductor in there and the answer is yes as long as you meet the provisions of b1 and b2 okay now b1 says that that grounded conductor is insulated but b2 is saying well you know what as long as it's not a grounded conductor and as long as it's not an ungrounded conductor but it's used as equipment ground I will let you be bare and that's fine uh, also remember that when you're talking about circuit conductors the hot and the neutral are circuit conductors An equipment grounding conductor is not a circuit conductor. It's an equipment grounding conductor, okay? So even when it's run in a cable assembly like a non-metallic sheath cable, a black and a white, and an equipment grounding conductor, the circuit conductors are the black and the white. The equipment grounding conductor is not a circuit conductor, but it is run with the circuit conductors unless you have some allowances in 250.130 that allows it to not be run with the circuit conductors. But generally, that's how we would run it. And of course, in a cable assembly, that's automatically going to be inherent because of how it's designed, okay? Little more information than you might've wanted on that, but I just wanted to, to make sure we covered that. Okay, let's now, and of course, there's some exceptions to this rule uh, for the most part, but again, we just wanna kinda keep it on the highest level. So now let's kinda move to the, 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 the last one, which is item four in this uses permitted for branch circuits and feeders, and that is dealing whether it's an interior installation or an exterior installation, okay? Um, And so installations methods for branch circuits and feeders, it's 338.10b4. And there's an A and there's a B. A is interior installations inside of a building. So it says, in addition to the provisions of this article, again, 338 has other provisions. Uh, It says type SC service entrance cable used for interior wiring shall comply with the installation requirements of Part 2 of Article 334. So that's obviously non-metallic sheath cables. Basically, SE cable is a, is a bigger version of type NMB, really, kind of if you think about it. Um, so it's saying, well, if you're going to install it indoors, you're going to follow all the rules, securing, supporting, and, and do everything. Uh, if it's an interior installation in a building, uh, then you're going to follow those rules, except – you're not going to follow the requirements of 334.80, okay? Now, in 334.80, that is where we're dealing with NMB, and we have rules in there for ampacities and in contact with thermal insulation, and it has all of its own little rules in and, and, and .80 for that. Because So that deals with ampacity and, and all of that. So everywhere else in Part 2, you're going to follow, securing, supporting, uh, and things like that. Um, but when it comes to um, dealing with ampacity of this, this application, then that's slightly different. And so we have to follow it differently. And so in our case, uh, we're going to be uh, following what it says here in item number four. Now let's read it. It says, it goes on to say, for type SC cable with ungrounded conductor sizes 10 AWG or smaller, so that would be 10, 12. 14, you know, whatever. Uh, those would be smaller. Um, and says, where installed in thermal insulation. Okay, so there's a caveat here. It says, this only applies to ungrounded conductors 10, 10 and smaller where they're installed in thermal insulation. Okay, in thermal insulation. Okay, it says the ampacity shall be in accordance with 60 degrees C. Okay, so it's pretty much like NMB. Uh, In that scenario, Uh, the only difference is NMB is restricted to 60 originally and SE is not restricted to 60, Um, but it's saying, well, you know what, if you're going to install it in thermal insulation, okay, then it's going to be based on a 60 degree C. However, it also goes on to say the maximum conductor temperature rating shall be permitted to be used for ampacity adjustment and corrections purposes. So in a sense, we're going to be able to use the 90 degree if that's what the rating is the conductors inside, if they're rated 90. Um, if they're rated 75, I, I'd do it from the 75. But I'm going to be able to do my adjustment corrections from that higher ampacity. The only caveat to this is the final derated ampacity of that conductor The does not exceed that of the 60. Okay. If long story short,
0: And live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW, void we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
1: If I take a conductor and I start at a 75 or 90 and I do an adjustment and correction and I have a new ampacity value for this conductor, it has to meet or exceed the values under the 60 degree column. And of course, in that case, whatever our load is that we're placing on it obviously can't exceed the rating of this new conductor, which again, easy way to do this is just go to the 60 degree column and pick the conductor size that you need, and then do an adjustment and correction to see if the conductor still has the ampacity necessary to handle the load after the adjustment and correction. Okay? So, again, that's just a reminder that the final derated ampacity does not exceed that for a 60-degree C-rated conductor. So, even if I have it and I adjust it from the 90, And let's say under 60, it says it's good. Let's just throw a number. Let's say it's good for 50 amps under the 60. But I use adjustment and corrections, and it starts at, let's say, 85. I'm just throwing numbers. And I apply adjustment and corrections, and now this conductor has a value of 75 amps. Can I use the 75 amps? And the answer is no. We'd have to use the value that's in the 60 degree. And so all you did here was to confirm after adjustment and correction, I still have a conductor that's still viable for use. And so I tell people all the time when it comes to cables, uh, if, degree, uh, if the 60 degree, if the 60 Celsius or 60 degree limitation is going to be there uh, based on if it's in, in insulation or however you're going to be, go and pick the conductor you need first under the 60. Then do the adjustment and correction and make sure you still have a conductor that can handle the load. Okay. Uh, and so that's the, the, the concept here. Now, obviously, you will get a new ampacity of this conductor after you apply adjustment and corrections. Uh, And like I said, if I had it at 85 and I adjusted it down and now it was worth 70, uh, but my six degree column maxed out at 50, then I'm okay because I still have a conductor that is 50 or greater as long as I know that my actual load still can't exceed the value under the six degree column, which is the 50 amps. Just because I adjust and correct it down to 70 doesn't mean I can use all of that 70 it's still got the limitations under the 60 degree column. All we're doing again is making sure that we don't have a conductor that's all of a sudden going to have a value that it can handle less than that of the 60 degree column. And then that becomes a problem depending on what my load is. I would have to jump up to a larger conductor. Okay, So really pick your conductor in the 60, then verify after adjustment and correction, that the conductor still has an ampacity that's equal to or greater than the the ampacity value under the six-degree column, and you're going to be okay, right? Um, So that's just the long and the short of it. All right, now, um, the next one would be, well, B, what is an exterior installation. Obviously, we run SC cable on the side of buildings all the time. Uh, So, again, uh, where we're using USE in an underground application Okay, then that is going to pull in the requirements of Article 340, and that's also going to call, talk about Part 2 for that. That's UFB, and so it, it's got its own rules you have to meet, um, but let's kind of look and see what it says here. So if I'm using it exteriorly, um, it would say, in addition to the provisions of this article, and of course we, we have all these other rules in this article, it says... Um, service entrance cable used for feeder or branch circuits were installed as exterior wiring shall be installed in accordance with part one of article 250 so part one the general in 250 is outside branch and feeder circuits okay all right so we have to meet those general rules pretty much no-brainer there we're okay and then it says the cable shall be supported in accordance with 334.30, so we are going to utilize 334.30 for securing and supporting requirements, okay? And then it goes on to say, and, and that's pretty much the SE cables, because it goes on to say, type USE cable installed as underground feeder or brand circuits shall comply with Part 2 of Article 340. And, of course, we know that USE uh, or USE-2, which is just a 90-degree wet or dry rating when you get that dash 2, Um, that's usually individual conductors, uh, but they're called single conductor cables to be more accurate, as we talked about at the beginning. Uh, They can be plexed, twisted, run individually in a trench, whatnot, uh, in close proximity. Uh, And so um, when doing so and you're treating them as such, or they're being utilized as such um, underground feeders or brand circuits, then again, part two, 340 is going to kick in the rule. But if you're using a cable assembly with the sheathing, for example, um, then you just very much have to meet the requirements of securing and supporting under 334.30, okay? Now, the one thing to remember is part one of Article 225 applies to both SE and USE. So after you get past that first sentence, then it kind of branches off to deal with each separate like cable versus a USE cable because there are, you know, there are differences, all right? And it, and it does it subtly, but it also goes on to give you an exception, Now, the exception says single conductor type USC, which, again, I wish the code would get, and I might submit this, I wish the code would get back to explaining, because it causes confusion, it would be single conductor cable type USC or multi-rated USC conductor cables uh, shall not be subject to the ampacity limitations in part two of article 340. Okay, so there's a part two of 340. Uh, It's going to also give some uh, limitations in there as well. And so just want to make it aware of that application. Okay, and of course, when you look at part two, uh, you'll see that it talks about ampacity. And of course, it ends up limiting you to a 60 degree C, which is what UF is limited to anyway. So it's, it's saying, basically, guess what? It's almost like what we just said before. It's uh, when it comes to the interior, it's saying, you know what? Don't, don't listen to what it says in part two. That's what the exception is all about. Okay. So don't, don't worry about that. It's not limited to 60 because usually that USA, to, uh, USE or U S E two individual single conductor cable is going to have a either 75 or even a 90 degree rating on it. More often than not, it's going to be 90. Okay. So again, it's not pigeonholing you into the six-degree column when it comes to underground uh, applications, all right? Uh, Let's see here. And it also reminds you that in any exterior application, uh, that the USC or multi-rated USC conductors do not have to meet those same limitations in Article 340. And more notably, it is actually 340.80, in case you were asking. It could have made a direct reference to that, but it didn't. All right, so that's kind of the uses permitted. Pretty easy to follow, pretty easy to scope out. Um, Interesting thing that I will bring to mind is, is again, when it comes to 10 and smaller and you're limiting to 60, it says installed in thermal insulation. It doesn't say installed in contact with. Um, To my mind, that's two big differences uh, in how we would apply that. Okay, so many people say, Paul, that's just semantics. But it's interesting because if you look at 334, for example, it in .80, uh, it is very specific because in 334.80, it talks about where, two, where more than two NM cables containing two or more current conductors are installed without maintaining spacing, and it goes on and on and on. And basically, it says... In the second part, it says where more than two NM cables consist, uh, containing two or more current carrying conductors are installed in contact with thermal insulation. So that one says in contact with, With this broader. Of course, this one says a little different, okay? This is, says where it's installed in thermal insulation, okay? And then when we say in, I'm thinking it's in your attic. You're running through the attic and it's uh, embedded in it. It's, it's in it. Whereas what if it's running on the top of it uh, and, again, guarded and protected and all that goody stuff. But if it is in contact with it, then it doesn't apply. It's only got; It can only be in it the way the rules are written in the code. Anyway, just kind of some thoughts on that. All right, so use is not permitted, 338.12. Okay, service entrance cable. Uh, and this is where we get the real definitive answer to whether or not it can be underground or not is it says Service Entrance Cable SE, uh, and this is very specific to the SE, like S-E-U or S-E-R application here, because we have a separate one for U-S-E here. So this is, it's breaking it out, uh, A and B, and A is the Service Entrance Cable, B is Underground Service Entrance Cable, basically U-S-E. So let's talk about the SE cable, like a type U or type R. It says Service Entrance Cable S-E, shall not be used under the following conditions or in the following locations. So this list is uh, three items, and it's going to be a, a, a location um, or it's going to be a condition. Number one, it says we're subject to physical damage unless protected in accordance with 230.50B, and that is like putting it in PVC Schedule 80, protecting it, slaving it in it to protect it from damage, physical damage, okay? You know, but you could also do that with rigid and IMC. There's many options for that. But, again, if it's subject to physical damage, you got to protect it. Okay. Uh, Item number two says underground with or without a raceway. So, at no point can I run SE cable point blank underground, whether it's in a raceway or not. It just doesn't matter. Okay. Uh, And then three says for exterior branch circuits and feeder wiring unless... The installation complies with the provisions of Part 1 of Article 225. Can't remember it talked about that earlier. It's got to meet the, the Part 1 of 225. And it's supported in accordance with 334.30, which is, again, 334 is non-metallic sheath cable, and you've got your securing and supporting requirements within 12 feet and every four and a half feet. That's what it is for 334. Um, and interesting, this is an example of not, rewriting, but re, not regurgitating code, but sending you somewhere else and picking it up in order to save some language here. You know, Article 338 could have gone into all these details itself uh, and could have had its own uh, thirty section and, and talked about all that, but it does not. It refers you back, okay, which is fine. And when it refers you back, just remember, in this area, it's referring you back to 334.30 specifically, not to the entire uh, part, which should be part two, just to that issue, just to 334.30. Uh, then it says OR is used as a messenger support wire as permitted in part 2 of 396. So yes, it can be secured on a messenger, whether it's bridal rings or wrap or whatever. Uh, that's a, the messenger is a securing component. okay? So again, it has ability to be used in that application. Many people don't know that, uh, but it can. Uh, And then, so that's pretty much the use is not permitted. So that's pretty limited. Um, Again, we already know feeders, branch um, service, good to go. Just follow the rules. You're pretty good. Now, what about USE cable? So this is underground service entrance cable, USE shall not be used under the following conditions or in the following locations. So same kind of concept here. Uh, Number one for interior wiring. Okay. Again, Typically, U.S.E. doesn't have flame retardant. Now, you can get products that are dual rated or triple rated. Maybe it's an R, it's a U.S.E., but it's also R.H.H. or R.H.W.-2. And in many cases, it can also be a PV, have a PV rating on it, 47, uh 4307 rating. Yeah, or, no, wait a minute, it's 4703. I was dyslexic for a moment. Um, it can have all those additional ratings, but when it has all those additional ratings, then there's a chance that now it has flame retardant properties and it can go in it we're talking about pure use can't itself go into a building unless it has those flame retardant properties and remember it's not required to have that all right so again if it is added then it can't come into a building so that's something that you would look for all right so again for the interior wiring uh it can't go into interior wiring and that's of course it's you know it's got other ratings and when it takes on that other rating it, it loses, it's no longer used as USC. It now becomes at RHH, RHW inside of race rays where necessary. But once it transitions out in the ground, it goes back to being a USC, okay? Um, only thing to remember with that is that you have different temperature ratings or insulation ratings. So at RHH, RHW, it might be 90 degree rated insulation, but as a uh, a U.S.E. it might be a different value. Another thing to remember is that RHH, RHW might have a different voltage rating, might be good for 1,000 volts, could even be good for 2,000 volts. But U.S.E. limits to 600 volts. So just things to remember. If I'm using it as USC and I'm stuck in a 600 volt application or less, um, but you might have an application where it's a 2000 volt rated PV, which is also an RHH, RHW, it might've also been evaluated for 2000 volt rating for RHH, RHW. And again, the manufacturer has to request that and test their products for that, but it's very conceivable that they could get that, but there is no USE rated at a thousand yet. Okay. It's limited based on the standard to 600 volt. So I'm just kind of things to think about how you're using it if it's all 600 volts then you got nothing to worry about okay all right the next thing is uh of uses uh, not permitted for usc is item number two it says for above ground installations except where usc cable emerges from the ground and is terminated in an enclosure at an outdoor location and the cable is protected in accordance with 300.5d OK, so again, protect it as it comes out of the ground, Raceway protection that's that, you know, like a rigid uh, or intermediate or uh, even EMT can protect it now uh, in the 2020 code anyway. Um, and, and, and I can't remember in the 17, but you have to provide some type of protection right as it emerges. But this is another example where typical USE cannot uh, come out of the ground uh, unless it's terminating. Okay, so it can't transition out of the ground and back into the ground. And if it comes out, it's got to be terminating uh, into an enclosure. Okay, and it is an outdoor location, not inside, unless, of course, it is dual or triple rated. Uh, And then the third one is this use is not permitted as aerial cable unless it is a multi-conductor cable identified for use above ground and installed as a messenger supporting wiring in accordance with 225.10, which is outside feeder and brand circuits, uh, and part two of Article 396, which, again, that's dealing with messenger applications, okay? So, again, if you meet those rules, then USE typically uh, is not to be used as an aerial cable, but when it's cabled as a uh, multi-conductor assembly, cable assembly, at that point, and it's uh, okay for above-ground use, basically. It's also got to have, you know, sunlight-resistant rating and all this type of stuff on it. Uh, and then you can, you can actually support it from a messenger, okay? But that's going to be typically twisted and plexed together uh, and things like that. Um, and so that's kind of your, your use is not permitted. So in part two, the last one we come to is, I think, is, is grossly overlooked and because it's called the bending radius, and this is the maintained bending radius, okay? So we want to have a maintained, so it can be more gradual. It just can't be a real tight bend. And so we can't bend it any tighter than this maintained minimum bending radius in order to make for a nice gentle bend. Now, here's what's interesting. Because SE, uh, USE is a single conductor cable, um, usually insulated conductors that are less than 1,000 volts or 1,000 volts or less Really don't have a bending radius. maintained bending radius. You you don't want to bend it to damage it, but usually you have to reach out to the manufacturers, and we might tell you that you can exceed uh, five times, six times, or even seven times the OD of the individual largest individual conductor, and that's kind of a that's kind of a guidance. It's not in the code. Whereas if it's over a thousand, we do have guidance for maintaining the bending radius. But in this one here, uh, this is kind of a, an interesting one because. It has a specific value that you're going to use when you're dealing with a single conductor cable or an SE cable assembly as a whole. And we have the same rules for a non-metallic sheet cable, MC cable, AC cable. All of them have maintained bending rules. But let's read this. So this is 338.24. It says bending radius. It says bending bends in type USE. And SC cable shall be made so that the cable will not be damaged. Well that's that's a no-brainer. We get that one, right? But it goes on to say the radius of the curve of the inner edge, that's the inside portion of the bend, uh, of, of the bin, during or after the installation shall not be less than five times the diameter of the cable. Okay, so again, you would take the the the, the widest dimension of an SEU, uh, or the you know the total uh, diameter of an SER, usually provided by the manufacturer on their product cut sheets. Uh, and if you look at it, you do that times five. So the point of the bend where it goes from a vertical to a horizontal is the best example I can get. Or wrapping it around, let's say a a a baseball or softball, depending on the the, the you know, obviously the diameter of the cable. You simply take the diameter. And you do that times five, and from the start of the bend to the end of the bend, you want to make sure that you're not going to be bending it any tighter than that value, okay? Now, if you turn that value into technically into a sphere, so if it's a, let's just say that it it ends up being a six-inch value, okay, that's your um, bending radius value that you're supposed to maintain, then basically it's like bending it around a six-inch ball, okay? You want to bend it around. It's a nice, subtle bend. You're not going to stress out the interior portion of the conductor or the cable assembly. Uh, you're not going to cause any damage to the cable assembly. So again, five-time rule, and it applies to USC conductors, uh, which are basically, again, single conductor cables because it's under 338. That's why I'm using them synonymously. But again. Uh, USC is not listed in 310 where conductors are listed. So it kind of, kind of tells you that you got you to gotta bump it up into a cable type, even though me and you know it's, a, it's an insulated conductor. And, in, you know, now, if I'm going to use this as an RHH, RHW-2, then that would kick it back over into 310, and I'm going to treat it uh, as a, insulated, a single insulated conductor. And again, there's no rules for maintained bending on that. Uh, you would have to reach out to your manufacturer. But usually it's going to be, depending on the size or the OD of that conductor, anywhere between five, six, seven, or even eight times the OD, depending on size. You start getting up into 750 KC mil, 1000 KC mil, then obviously uh, that's going to play a, a huge role in that maintained bending radius. Obviously that product will be hard to bend anyway. So you don't want to force anything. So anyway, That rounds out part two. And of course, part three is so easy because that's just, you know, that really is only dealing with the specifications of the product. And that should be covered by the manufacturer. So construction, cabled single conductor, USC. Um, So basically, USC that's plexed, if you will. Okay. It's kind of twisted together. uh, That is recognized for underground use. Shall be permitted to have a bare copper conductor cabled with the assembly. Um, it says the USC single, paralleled, or cabled conductors assembly con- uh, recognized for underground use shall be permitted to have a bare copper concentric conductor applied. These constructions uh, constructions shall not require an outer overall covering. So this is what allows us to make like a URD, okay, and, and, and twist it, all right? Now, you notice that the only one that it states here, Okay, that it talks about the 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 conductors itself and it talks about dealing with the assembly and and how you do it. And and for underground use shall be permitted to have a bare copper concentric conductor applied. Uh, So this is kind of allows you to have that that bare um, equipment grounding conductor if you want in your in your construction. Perfectly considered acceptable for that application. Uh, Now, it also goes on to say uh, type SE or USE cable containing two or more conductors shall be permitted to have one conductor uninsulated. And that's how we get the application to have that equipment ground uninsulated when you're dealing with an SER. Or we're able to have in an SEU style, that's how we can get that helical wrapped bare aluminum or, you know, application where I've got that actual conductor that is really bare. This is what allows that construction. Again, this is really going to mirror the UL 854 anyway. So manufacturers already know this, so they provide it. And then, of course, lastly is the markings, 338.120. And it says service entrance cable uh, shall be marked as required in 310.120. Cable with the neutral conductor smaller than the ungrounded conductors shall be so marked. So that's when you see something that says four-aught, four-aught, two-aught. Um, so the two-aught is the ungrounded, um, excuse me, is the grounded neutral conductor, and the four-aughts are the ungrounded conductors. Well, 854 has a rule that says that the ungrounded condu- uh, the uninsulated conductor can't be more than two sizes smaller than the insulated conductor. So that's where you got four-aught, four-aught, and a four-aught, four-aught, and a two-aught because there's a 3 odd in between them, so it's two sizes down. So again, that's unique to the SE cable applications and what's given to us in 854. Whereas if I ran something like individual conductors, then I'm probably going to size my conductors like my neutral based on the imbalance load, right? Or minimum size in accordance with 250.102C, uh, right? But I've got some allowances there. Well, the cable manufacturers are going to give you a cable of a specific size and you you have to deal with it, okay? Um, And so it's all part of their construction, but they have to mark that on there so that you know what you're dealing with when you get that product, okay? Anyway, that's kind of an overview of Article 338. Hopefully you got something out of that. Uh, If I confused you at any point, please feel free to email me. Give me the opportunity to clarify a little bit for you. And, and hopefully you'll, uh, you'll get something out of it. Uh, until next time, folks, stay safe and God bless. Shut up and sit down.